The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two fine co-hosts. Laura Nash. And Shane Kelly. And this week, we are talking about a little game called Afterplace. Uh, yes, another mobile game. This is a weird, a weird cluster for us. We've been covering a lot of mobile games all at once, all of a sudden. Um, just sort of worked out that way. We hadn't covered any mobile games. We were due. We hadn't covered any mobile games in quite a while. And, now and these are both newish releases, so yeah, okay, um, yeah, and um, and then we did the the we did the re-release of the uh, mobile um, uh, pocket card pocket jockey. card jockey right on. Yeah, uh, fantastic to have you back as the um, introducer of the show, Reagan. I hope you uh, got a chance to listen to that, and, and I, I want to know if you thought my Reagan impression was on the money or not. I mean, it was adequate, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you missed the five minutes of warm up to do that. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> too bad. Well, uh, this week we're talking about Afterplace, and I wanted to give a quick shout out because this was one of those games that, like, I definitely would not have played without a listener recommendation. Um, this just happened to come in at a time when I could not. I was actually just about to go on a trip. And um, I did bring my Steam Deck along, but I didn't even boot the thing up once. I just did not have the headspace for it. But as it happened, um, I was like literally standing in line at the airport and saw a tweet at the show account from Paratriad uh, on Twitter uh, who said, somebody with authority recommend the mobile game Afterplace to short game. It is a banger adventure and hilarious. And uh, Paratriad, uh, I took it simply on your authority. Thank you for recommending this game. I had definitely not seen this anywhere although apparently it had uh, not that long before been the game of the week on touch arcade but it really hasn't had very much press elsewhere um so afterplace is a mobile game it's it's uh ios and android and it is played on a vertical orientation which was honestly what sold me on it in the moment because i wanted something uh interesting that i could play uh one-handed while waiting in line in the airport and then on the plane and throughout the trip and then when i got back and every night for a week after that um but uh it is from a soloed indie developer called evan keese or kice k-i-c-e as far as i can tell this is his first game uh and it's uh, it was released earlier or i guess very late last year uh didn't get a ton of press so i'm hoping that this uh gets that, that we can suggest the game to some folks who might be interested in checking it out if you had missed it like i did i think this is a game that's definitely worth taking a look at yeah, December 9th is a tough time to release because everyone is doing end of the year catch up and then it's the holidays. So I'm really glad like this is the same slot we had Mushroom 11 in last year, which is the like, oh, yeah. oopsies, this oh, got that released wasn't last year, year, was it? My God. No, that no, that was like several, was several years ago. back. Several years but, ago. Yeah. But it was the same like released in December. We're capping it in January. So yeah, that's it's a, a tough spot one for us. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, we never get uh, anything like, you know, that, it, that that that's a bit of a handicap on getting into like a game of the year list, but it's mm-hmm. actually a pretty good slot if you just want to get something on my list because I have nothing else to play mm-hmm. uh, during that like end of the year doldrums period. And I was glad that this 
bubbled up. Um, because honestly, this kind of grabbed me in a way that no mobile game has in a long time. If you didn't describe it to me this way, someone else did, that this is a whole ass adventure game on your phone. Yeah, like the um the uh the, the developer calls it something like uh I forget what he says, like a real indie game for phones or something like Adventurous that. Adventurous indie game for mobile devices. Yeah. And that's what surprised me most about this is that like it it is um you know, it's a you know, paid once narrative driven action adventure indie but very much designed for phones. So we'll talk probably a little bit about the the interface and everything, which I think is is well done. Um, also, though, just as much as any like you know uh, sort of headliner indie release, this has a lot of stuff to talk about in terms of its story and and other you know aspects that we maybe wouldn't be talking about in a in a typical sort of little you know free to play mobile deal or whatever. So, um, what do we want to talk about first with Afterplace? Uh, you know, I'm I'm a big aficionado of of pixel art, and uh, I know that for you, Reagan, this is going to be a crushing disappointment because it's uh, putting these beautiful pixels on something that's not a cathode ray tube. Uh, but <laughs> the they take uh, I think the game has a really uh, kind of traditionalist uh, JRPG with some kind of goofy element art style it's like really reminiscent of you know other popular indie games um but it it distinguishes it by uh having the the art be extremely small on screen this is an extremely zoomed out game and so when you see uh a a goat man riding a giant pig with a spike on its head or uh you know a a, a slime or classic little little weird goblin in a hat kind of art it's maybe like 10 or 12 pixels high and then presented really small on screen and what it does for you aesthetically apart from being just super charming is it gives you a lot of space for environments and just to have a quick moving character that's able to move around a lot uh on the screen so aesthetically i i really it appreciate uh, the way that it does the art and they, he gets a, he gets a lot of mileage out of animation on these characters. They just move yeah. so beautifully. That was the thing that really stuck out to me at first with the art is that, that uh, it has a, you mentioned like 16 bit. I think what's kind of an interesting hybrid here because like it is so low, um, low pixel count basically that like yeah. something about the, like the structure or kind of like look of the characters could kind of be almost 8-bit but the color scheme is like 16-bit plus it's got like a really vibrant set of colors but yeah the, the thing that really stands out is that like you get this very stripped down sort of old school looking pixel art but there are lots of situations where there's a lot of frames of animation and uh and very expressive little characters like like Minnow, the sort of um, oh mouse gosh. guy character. Mm -hmm. My absolute, one of my absolute favorite moments with Minnow, I just have to say the art here was, that animation was perfect. When he w says he wants to go into the forest with you. <laughs> Do you guys remember that moment? I'm not sure. What did he, what happened? So oh, you're when in he's his on his, 
house. Yeah. And he's just You're so like, excited. The He's like, I, I thought you'd never ask. He like sl- throws everything off the table and like slams down a map. And it's just suddenly clear that he's really, he's Ooh. really wanted to go into the haunted forest with you. Yes. And that's yes. the scale thing is that the map is six times bigger than that mouse. Uh-huh. And like, and it's still not taking up more than a tenth of the screen. Like the the scale of this is really fun because it um you get to go in and out of spaces. You get to like when you see a big thing, it is giant compared to you. And um one of the quotes that the developer said is that um it tries to give you the level of agency and movement you'd expect from a console experience condensed down to a touchscreen form. And what I found really interesting yes. is that because the scale is so considered, you have the ability to move and dodge like you would on a larger screen, mm-hmm. but you have all the um, information you need there. Like I-, I had this problem a little bit with sword and sorcery is that sometimes the scale got real wacky and it was hard to figure out what you were doing. This one keeps things small. And so I can, I, I feel like it, there are two controls basically. And I, can move around is the main thing I need to do. I need to get out of places. I need to go into places. That's the movement I want. And the pictures and the animation really fit that. Yeah, it was, the art was incredible. Um, I also, I just don't want to just repeat ourselves, but like he gets a a really, really effective um, like character art at these incredibly small scales, little characters like Clover, the bunny rabbit. Um, Yes. Like I keep going back to Minnow, but like what's crazy to me about the sprite for Minnow is that it's basically the mappy sprite. You remember the mouse like it's totally mappy. mappy. It's he's totally, totally mappy. He's like he's totally mappy. <laughs> um, but like you've never seen mappy emote before, and you would have previously thought it was impossible for mappy to have like animation frames showing him feeling sad or whatever here's the thing here's the thing these characters are smaller than the icon for most they're like you could right like a a group of these characters could have a full-size boss battle on an another game's app icon and so all of these things where we're talking about how emotive the characters are it's like one pixel moving up one spot on screen or something like that um you know, and a lot of it is happening in your mind, in your imagination, because these characters are so small that every um, every action that they do is uh, has either got to be really, really big or it doesn't read at all. Yeah, yeah. the movement is bigger than the characters often, if that yeah. makes sense. Like the there's Absolutely. an outside expression, the little blobs, which are your first uh enemies those little blobs move several squares like their movement is big like i think that's a huge bit of the personality of this game is that um everything is small but i don't feel like i need a magnifying glass to know what's going on yeah um and we should also then probably transition into talking about the controls which i think were another of the sort of really big successes of this game um this is a game that's very much built for mobile built for touchscreen um side note you can pair a controller for this and there was one boss fight where i actually did do that um you can you can pair a controller and and control this game with like a gamepad if you want it's real awkward with a vertically oriented phone sitting on your table and trying to play with a controller but um it it's actually really really well designed for touch. So you've got a uh, a virtual D pad. You know, lots of games do this, but like you put your f- 
they're your thumb down anywhere on the screen and drag in any direction. And you've kind of got like a virtual analog stick to move the character around. Um, tap anywhere on the screen and you do attacks and you can either do that with the same thumb that you're doing your movement with or you can put two thumbs side by side on your screen game boy style i find myself playing that way a lot and you know move with one thumb and tap with the other to do attacks that works really well and then if you do a swipe anywhere on the screen you do a dodge roll in that direction and that's pretty much your entire move set um but that's all you need uh you know uh, sword swings uh dodges and and moving around and you're set. And this has the sort of Zelda-style presentation. Can I add one thing there, which is that uh, when you are in a kind of a non-combat area, that same tap is what you use to, like, look at items. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the humor of the game, but, like, one of one of the ways that the game can be very funny is there's this moment of ambiguity when you walk up to something and you tap. It's like, am I going to read this or am I going to swing my sword at it? And they play with that in some funny ways. <laughs> There are some there are some NPCs that I'm like, oh, I'm going to run up and talk to this guy. And it's like, bam. <laughs> and he's like, why did you do that? <laughs> I think it was like a bird. Uh, anyway, the, the, the game is very funny. I, I, I want to hear more about what you guys think about the story and the writing. Yeah, I think the writing is the other big strong area for this. Um, the story is fine. I think there's some things that we can talk about with it. Like it, it, it feels a little bit like... Um, uh, post Undertale indie game, the story um, to me, there's some really strong bits of it, but, uh, and you know, there's some, some strong really... Undertale influence on the art too. Gotta be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I don't think it's like super Undertale influence. It's much too colorful and it's much too, uh, like it's got this totally different scale. Um, the, the like world design is like way not Undertale, but like you did, you do get Undertale vibes out of this, I think, um, just because it's a world where, uh, we'll talk about the plot in a minute, but you know, it's a world where you are dropped in as a nameless protagonist in a world where everyone isn't quite sure what's going, you know, slightly dreamlike. There's lots of characters that are sort of animal based or what have you. Like um, it's, it's got those kind of vibes, um, but it's just, it, the writing is very funny. It's got little sort of quippy in the moment stuff that was never like a cringe kind of humor for me. It was always just sort of like charming I took a lot of screenshots of this and it's hard because a lot of the, um, a lot of the funnier bits are like more lengthy bits of, of dialogue, but every character you walk up to and talk to has something to say. They don't just have one line. They usually have several. Usually if you talk to them multiple times, they'll say something new. For example, after you meet, uh, your little mouse friend the first time he drops a sandwich and (laughs) you can choose to pick it up. And if you pick it up, they ask you if you're sure. And then a beacon of light bursts out of the sandwich and it floats up into the sky and in big text it says you got a sandwich you found it on the ground and that's kind of (laughs) what the sense of humor is in this game (laughs) you found it on the ground like little stuff like i walked into so like that you um one of the first characters maybe the first character you meet is uh clover the little cute bunny rabbit who lives out in the woods every time you die by the way this game is has a like you know the sort of loop where you when you die, you always reappear in the same place on the world map, which means that um, you have to sort of unlock shortcuts and stuff to be able to get to various places. You know, if you if you die deep in a dungeon, you're going to have to walk back, which sometimes frustrates me. But here it was used, I think, pretty well. Um, I don't know. I found it pretty frustrating. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The like, most frustrating thing about the game. 
Yeah, uh, maybe so. But like, I think it, there were reasons for it. But yeah, maybe a little. Like they 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 hang some late game plot stuff on that that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but it, it felt a little bit like um like hanging a lantern on a weird you know game design thing. Um, but I I don't know. I I don't know if I would have changed that except for a few times when I kept dying deep in like the library or something, and you had to walk all the way to the back to the effing library. I'll tell um, you what I really did like uh is um the way that they would weave in i want to don't want to spoil anything but weave in uh, story moments and and uh just like interesting scenes uh when you would die and wake up back at the cabin or whatever yeah like i don't think it's a huge spoiler to say like you know that sometimes you know you 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 always wake up in this little clearing and you walk like one screen north and there is clover's little forest cabin and you always get a moment to talk to clover um you can talk to clover and clover will say huh you know you died to those things and she'll give Uh you i assume she actually wasn't sure about the gender of clover pretty sure it's a she um and she'll give you little like tips about the particular enemy that just killed you like Oh, those monsters. Yeah, I'd steer steer clear of those. Or sometimes they're actually very specific. She'll say things like, oh, those bugs? Yeah, they do a wiggle before they jump at you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like very specific tips about the monster that just killed you. But also usually kind of a joke. Like, you know, if you start talking to her and then you wander away, she'll say something like, oh, okay, wander off. Sure, you do you. Or, uh, or like you can go into her house and like examine all of her stuff. And it has this very, I, the, the first thing that just like made me crack up is the first screenshot I took. Like I walked into Clover's house and I like investigated her little like four pixel wide sink. And it says the faucet and knobs are just painted wood. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> She's living in a cute little dollhouse. She's a little bunny rabbit living in a dollhouse in the woods. This is adorable. Um, all of the you know, bandages like, yeah. are handmade. Real- uh, real calico critters vibes. Yes, yes, yeah. Or like you know the weird vending machines that sell bizarre stuff. There's there's a one of the funniest things is that like early in the game, like that you also just encounter this vending machine standing in the middle of the forest. Early, and you can early. Buy, yeah, like third screen, and you can buy like coffee or sleepy time tea or like a couple of other things or mecha armor made from real robot corpses, um, and. Uh, the first thing I did was, I mean, I love sleepy time tea. I bought some sleepy time tea. And if you drink the sleepy time tea, you can walk around for about a minute and then you die. <laughs> and then you go back <laughs> to the beginning again. Uh, and there were actually times where that was really useful because there was times where I was like deep in a dungeon and I, I would I would have a sleepy time tea in my inventory and be like, mm, I'm going back to Clover's house. And I would drink it and then immediately pass out and wake back at, at Clover's house. But the first time I did it, I was definitely not in a place where I was ready to just kick the bucket immediately. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very funny and also infuriating. Like it, the game is full of little funny, weird, quirky stuff like that throughout every character is is like like worth talking to and the you know there's a little town full of little villagers there's like an and old goat guy who tries to sell you guy. drugs <laughs> yeah there's a guy who tries to sell you drugs in the woods um there's little ghosts and and you know you can talk to some of the cute monsters and then um you know this being a, a sort of a post undertale indie game it also has some like introspective like weirdness you know things go off the rails uh, you're a uh, you're a, a you know a, a, a silent protagonist. Are you actually a good guy or are you actually bad? Those kinds of stuff. Like none of that. Like totally surprised yeah, me. I never well really wor- wondered that much about if I was a good guy or a bad guy when I was fighting like 
the spooky bugs to try yeah. and help the cute mouse. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it, that, that works for me. I'm not, I'm not really worried about, uh, you know, who you kill it. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's full of little, Oh, did you guys run into the, um, the bridge troll? Who yes. Riddles. Very, that's a, I like that guy. Yeah. And I, there's a bridge troll that like asks you riddles and all the riddles are just like the world's worst riddles ever. And in most cases, like all of the options are, are like workable. So you can tell him like any of the various choices and he'll be like, uh, I guess, I guess that's not the, that's not the answer. Right. But I guess that is, I guess that's right. And eventually he gives up at being a bridge troll. And I just, it's very, very funny, full of cute little characters like that weird talking birds and weird little kids that mock you from the balcony of a house in town and call you a weeb for carrying a sword and like and a lot of variety. Of, yeah. I Huge think I was surprised the number of very different areas. So this is um an open world game, but mm-hmm. and there's no map, but it, the game is supposed to be beatable yeah, in no less than 10 hours. Logs. No quest log. Um a lot of hidden content, but the like the main path is supposed to be sub ten hours. And what I found really interesting is how good the game is at nudging you in the direction of progress without telling you what to do. Because I am a yeah. quest logged like junkie, especially in a phone game. And I was very happy when I would wake up at Clover's house, go about my life for two days, come back, not remember where I was in the game, and someone would be like. Hey, have you looked at the library yet? <laughs> and I would just kind of yeah. wander over to the library. Um, I, did that surprise you, you guys? Like how open? Yeah, this I was, was surprised about that too. I I liked a lot that like, um, so it's one of those sort of open worlds where really there's like three different directions with three different big zones that you can go and check out. And yes, you can check them out in any order, but like there's a lot of content in like the west zone that you need to get an item from the south zone first in order to get to that kind of thing. So like um it, it, it's it's pretty open, but there's also still kind of a golden path through it. And if you're if you don't know what that golden path is, you can talk to the various characters. Like there's a mysterious crow. There's this really great set piece where there's like, um, you know, you're on this floating Island and there's this really great set piece where you can go up to this like Ridge and look out. And there's this massive hovering sword floating and rotating point down right in the middle of the Island. It's sort of like a sword of Damocles ready to like slice through the Island. And it's just hovering there for mysterious reasons. And there's this talking crow there that will like tell you like, you know, the, the, the mysterious ruins to the South, the, the cliffs to the West, a library near a bridge and like, okay, well, that's a checklist. There's no quest log in this game, but a mysterious crow just told me about three landmarks. Like I'm, I'm good. There we go. Um, So yeah, it doesn't like, it doesn't herd you through uh, like a point to point thing. There's no map with little glowing dots on it. There's still a lot of moments where you can feel like you're a bit lost or like you have to really go hunt for things, but it's not so huge of an open world that I ever got fully frustrated. And I did take some notes, you know, whenever I talked to a character that told me something to do, I wrote it down and that was all I really needed to do. So I, I, I agree. I, I had a really good time kind of getting through it. I never felt like fully stuck. I always had like one or two things I could go and do. I, I think there's one thing that I just want to say, uh, if we haven't said it already, uh, 
this is the creation of one individual and you know you just mentioned like it's this is a big open big feeling open world game and evan kais who made this he he's 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 basically he put two years of his life into this and he was the uh the sole designer programmer and artist and the guy must be very multi-talented because you know it's it's all these different elements of the game like the 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 I, I don't the writing actually he doesn't say writing as sole writer here but uh One the design the art i'm assuming yeah he probably wrote a lot of it too uh and all of it for all of that to hit the way it the way it does um right when the game like drops um very impressive very very yeah. impressive to me i totally agree we we play a lot of games by solo developers and that's that's actually always kind of like a a, a point in the favor for me because it you know it, it speaks to like a singular vision and um and consi- hopefully consistent execution and, and whatnot but you know you always run the risk of like well maybe this solo developer is like really good at programming but can't draw or something like um this guy evan keese uh he you know, I, I would say his his art style is like um it's like workmanlike but also has like flashes of brilliance like the the animation is like this is the key one but like there's there's moments where i'm looking at this and i'm like well okay yeah he can draw a house it's a bunch of squares yeah. but like man can he yeah. draw a little mouse I, I mean, some of some of the people that do exactly this go on to have really big careers. And so this yeah. is a guy I think you should watch. I mean, we years and years ago, probably before the start of the show, you know, there was Braid was really the first time I remember this with Jonathan Blow, like really blowing up. <laughs> I'm sure someone's Shame. made that joke. Uh, you know, and, but you like most comparably, this is this has the vibe of like a toby fox undertale I, we haven't mentioned the music at all either but i think this has very good music yeah it doesn't have a ton of it um but it has a couple of really good mm-hmm. tracks and then it does some of that like yoshi's island stuff where it like tunes up certain elements in the music at you know in certain scenes uh-huh. uh, sort of transparently like you you go into a house and it sort of mutes the the sound down a little bit or you go into the spooky woods and now everything is playing off key um it's I, I thought I was very effective and the, the song that it plays the sort of like I don't know um, uh, the the like adventure theme uh, to after place or whatever uh, is really catchy. It was stuck in my head for days after I played this game. I think he needs to get this game onto consoles immediately. And I, I, I know this feels like it's great because it's a phone game. But when I think about those big uh, like name brand indie developers that are the one-stop shop kind of guys. I think about people like, you know, Lucas Pope and Stardew Valley's Eric Barone, Barone, whatever it is. Bored Ape think, or whatever. Not, not, not Bored Ape, something else. Not, yeah, it's not it an is. NFT. What's, and what yeah, they all oh, is did okay. is they all, they all uh, did PC and console. And yeah. there's like, there's not a name like that for phone games, but I mean, maybe Evan Kais could be that. Yeah, maybe it, it, it is tricky because like it, it Part of what made this game special for me was that it is so phone native. Oh, and I wonder if it would have. Yes, that's it. Because Board Ape is the NFT. Board Ape is the <laughs> NFT. Yeah. Um, um, yes. Sorry. Just wanted to say that before people wrote us emails. Continue. <laughs> Thank you, Laura, for saving <laughs> me from that. Evan Kais, uh, after place NFT when? No. <laughs> no. 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 Um, the, but like this, yeah, like I, that, that, was a, that was something I thought about a lot when I was playing through this because. Like I have 
a backbone controller. I could plug that in and play this if it was in uh you know non-portrait orientation and maybe i would have liked that better for certain stuff but like this game is laid out for vertical like there's there's areas in this game that are really designed to be viewed in a portrait orientation and so i don't think you could just put it in widescreen and give you like you the controls on a controller work fine that that's not a problem this was designed with that in mind i think as like a potential you know thing and it's it has simple enough controls like you know you just need two buttons and a stick it's fine but like the moving this to consoles you know or or pc i think would be really tough unless you just are comfortable playing a game where you've got like a like a vertical window in the middle of your screen because a lot of this is very designed for that orientation and that's part of what made it interesting to me but um yeah like I, and you know we're not here to to give evan um business advice i i think it's it's a tough no, no. it's a tough situation that's not what i, that's not I think I it'll actually be fine that. I, in vertical I, I, orientation. all of the comparisons that i was making uh to those people are positive i i yeah. i didn't have no business advice for evan kais except no advice for kais uh, except for just nice kais uh <laughs> keep going kais um yeah yeah agreed i i, I just had a lovely time with this and it's very rare that I like pick up a mobile game and just mainline it until I get to credits. Um, but that's what I did with Afterplace. Uh, I think uh, you know it, it, the developer uh, estimates this is about at about ten hours. Um, I don't have a really good way of counting hours on iOS. Um, the game does not have a built-in timer, like on you know, or like a save file or anything like that. And um, I suppose I could check my settings on iOS and see if maybe it tells me in terms of like battery usage. But that's the closest uh, you can, I have. Yeah, battery usage or the uh, "do not use my phone too much" features um, will also track per app use. Oh, okay. Um, within, I don't know if this is because this is only telling me the number within the last ten days, which I think encompasses all of my play of Afterplace, but maybe not. And it says I beat it in six hours and forty two minutes, which for me is ideal. Like I, th- that sounds about right. I think I probably played it for about six to eight hours. Um, so definitely not ten. I know I missed stuff because. Uh, there was a point very late in the game where I was really lost. So if we're talking about like, maybe I'll take a moment to talk about my one complaint about the game, which is about the pacing in the sort of third act. But um, the uh, th- I was pretty lost late in the game and looked up. Unfortunately, when you find a game like this, that's like not only relatively new, but also hasn't been covered very widely. There's just like, a, there's like a real dearth of like guides or like reddit posts or anything Mm -hmm. so the best i was able to find was one youtuber had done a full playthrough and i was trying to figure out like where what am i missing why can't i like move on and so i like started skimming through a youtube playthrough and there were characters like sidekick characters that i had never seen there were scenes involving multiple characters like there, there were whole whole like like scenes that I'd never seen. There was there was definitely a lot of content in this game that I didn't get to in a single playthrough. I'm not sure quite how branching it is, but there's definitely a lot of hidden stuff here. Um, but then getting to that that complaint, my my one complaint about the game would be that um, I've always felt like the ideal structure for a narrative adventure game or a like a, a action adventure game is you know 
narrow to wide back to narrow, right? So like you start off, you have a, you have a small area that you can access and you, as you gain abilities, you start gaining, you know, access to more and more and more of the world. And then as the, you know, as the cataclysm or whatever final boss fight or whatever comes, things start narrowing down ideally. And you are kind of funneled toward that final moment. Um, this just gets wider at the end um, and in weird ways. So like there's a uh, not to do too spoiler territory stuff here, but like there's uh, there's a lot of stuff in the game about like going through um, sort of magical doorways between worlds. And there's also some stuff about like breakdowns between the borders between worlds. And let me tell you that which it was used very well and very effectively cool stuff that would happen when it started playing with that concept, you know, walking through a door and suddenly you're in a totally different looking place than you've ever seen before. Cool stuff. But also it made the game incredibly difficult to navigate and you th- still have basically access to the entire map. Um, there were bits towards the end of the game where like I had to not only just like die and then come back in order to get back to a boss I was trying to fight, walk all the way back. I had to remember like, okay, which magical doors did I go through? Did I go through them from the left or from the right? Because that does different stuff. You know, you walk through this door and you're in a, you know, uh, you're walking from a, like a field into like a weird crypt. Well, like, how did I get here? And this, like the, the map of the game becomes really wide and really confusing. And, um, I had to start drawing a lot of maps for myself and uh, had to reference this one YouTube playthrough and so on. So that's my, my only complaint about this game is like, I think it's third act is a little flabby. It needs to do a little more like once, once, you know, once the end is in sight, it needs to start locking things off more and kind of making that narrow end. So there is a blog post about interactive fiction that I have referenced a lot at work, oddly, because I talk about information architecture. Um, it is – bear with me. This is going to be relevant. Um, it's called Standard <laughs> okay. Patterns in Choice-Based Games by Sam Ashwell. And it basically, he draws maps of different types of structures for interactive fiction. And – this one felt like it was going to be a branch and bottleneck, which is like it gets really wide and then suddenly like go through a tunnel and you have to do one thing or like, you know, you can't do anything until you get this item. Like, but I, the bottlenecks kept the, like got further and further apart. <laughs> like I, the branching kept getting bigger, but like the bottlenecks of you need this item to progress. There is a gate ahead of you. Like I kept finding new stuff, which in some ways felt very open, very, um, very consoly. Um, yeah, very generous. Like I, I kept, I kept thinking I was like near the end of the game and nope, there was a whole lot more game and that, that can be good. Like I always, I always think like that, you know, a, a game can be generous to you. Like it's like, there's nothing, there's no gift a game can give you that's better than more of it. Like if you're really enjoying a game, like the game saying, oh, you like that? Here's a lot more of it than you thought you were going to get. That's gold. That's great stuff. And there were times when this game was doing that. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, there's more to this. Um, but yeah, right towards the end. Unless. I just like, I just unless wanna, how do I walk back to where I was? People. God damn it. Uh, it's, it's great. Unless you are one of us. Yes. The people who are the t- term that you coined, Reagan, was time, time interested gamers. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I know it seems really chintzy to be like, hello, we are people who are complaining about a game that's still under 10 hours. But like, I also, like, I want to see the best stuff. And if yes. there's mm-hmm. no map or quest log, I don't know what I'm opting out of. Um, mm-hmm. It's a design choice. 
but it does weigh heavily on me when I don't know how far I am from the end. And I don't know if I've done, I don't know if I'm, I feel like I'm not exploring a ton extra outside the game, but maybe I am. Maybe I am almost completionist. Like there's no tracking of any sort. And that to me is a message from the game to chill out. But it's hard to do that when you're playing the game for a show. So yeah, I when I'm, I was like trying like hell to finish this so we could record. Yeah, but it's okay. Like I, I think it's it has the open world mentality, and I honestly mm-hmm. just don't play those games very often, and so I am not used to it. I don't have the patience, I suppose, to run around forever in a world, unless I know that it's truly going to be like a breath of the wild and I'm going to spend 90 hours. This is, this is much more, you know, like linked to the past than breath of the wild. It has, you know, it's, it's open world, but it it is hemmed in, in sometimes clever ways. So like, I don't want to stress too much on the, like, I I really don't think like, I, I didn't feel like, man, this thing is, is getting flabby right until like the last two hours, basically. Um, but, and, and, and mostly for me, it wasn't so much that like I was overwhelmed by like too many choices or too much content or anything. It was literally, it was literally pathfinding. It was literally like, I, I got, I I was in too deep. I died and I had to figure out how to get back. Or Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I've looked at all the areas I know how to get to and I, I'm, I'm missing something. I'm missing a door. I don't know how to progress. Um, it, you know, it was some just that kind of somewhere. thing. Like, and I, yeah. I wasn't sure if what I was trying to do was a dependency. And I realized later, like, honestly, it's very good at guiding you towards what's important. So a lot of the times mm-hmm. what I was stuck on was a critical dependency for the game. But I wasn't confident in that because there was yeah. no tracking. There was no map. So it, I am praising it for an open world that led me to keep doing things that were necessary without me knowing it i just couldn't deal with the head trip that was not knowing that i was doing something on the critical path yeah so i would say if, if you're going to play this game um my recommendation to you what, what i did that ended up helping me a lot was um anytime that a character told me about some place i could go or something i could do i wrote it down um you know if you talk to a ghost who's like gives you a secret about like going through a particular place like write write that stuff down or you're gonna forget it and i should have uh, just taken notes on that's i wrote down one sticky note and it was the thing that the ghost said but yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, and and like landmarks, like if you get to some place really interesting and you're like, I'm going to need to come back here later, like write down how you got there or something. Because I, I, you know, things like things like the library, I was like, the library is very important. Uh, you end up going there many times throughout the game. I knew I was going to need to go back to the library. But the very first time I went to the library, I left and then I couldn't remember how I got there. <laughs> so the next time I found it, I was like, wait, OK, let's figure this sh- shit out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that helped me a lot. So I would definitely recommend like taking notes with this one. Um, and, um, yeah, I would say otherwise, like this one's a lot of fun. I would, Mm -hmm. I would recommend it to anybody who needs, uh, who, who wants a more console like, or, you know, steam indie like experience on a mobile device, which is something we don't get very much of these days. And because it's portrait and one handed, I mean, I wouldn't play this on a subway, but I would play it at a bar. Mm hmm. Yeah, and the the one-handed thing, like, I, I went two-handed anytime I was really, like, doing serious combat, like, boss fights or whatever, but being able to just, like, hold it one-handed and, and run around, that's great. 
that was really great because it meant I could play it literally standing in line places. Like, like I played it on the elevator. It was great. Yeah. So perfect. And, um, uh, and I guess if you, if you really get stuck and you really, you know, you really need it, um, you can pair a controller to your phone and do things that way. I did that exactly once for one boss and it did help a lot. Um, and, um, yeah, it does get, it does get kind of hard at certain spots. Um, I didn't know until after I'd already beat the game that it has, I didn't realize until much later that it has an accessibility option where you can turn off damage in the menus. It's like a, like a God mode type of thing. Um, and, uh, if you get frustrated in this, I would do it, you know, press on. I, I liked the writing enough that like, even with zero, the combat wasn't really the draw for me here. The combat was fine. It was fun. It was, it was, you know, kept me engaged. But like, if I had ended up really hitting a roadblock, I probably would have turned that, um, that God mode thing on. And the kindness of telling you on that button that turning it on will not affect any of the content. You can still experience the full game. There's no, you are hardcore and didn't turn this mode on yeah. option. Just saying that flat out. Like, thank you. I think more people should be clear about that. There's no penalty mm-hmm. for turning this on. Um, I haven't used it yet. I also haven't finished the game and I am glad it's there because sometimes I just want to enjoy the game. Yeah, totally. Uh, anybody have any last thoughts about Afterplace? Good talk. Good times. Good talk. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a question for us, Regan? You didn't do the question. Sorry. Oh dang! I didn't do the question <laughs> at the top. Oh no! You guys have to keep me honest. You have to keep me on the ball. I do have a question. I do have a question. I, I thought of it in the car end. today. I was driving my kids to daycare. After uh, a great deal of uh, of difficulty uh, with breakfast, and I thought to myself, I have a question for the show, and it is thus: Which game that we have covered on the show would have the most delicious breakfast cereal? Just in the world of the game? No, I was thinking. Have the most I mean, okay, well, maybe maybe that. My my thought was like, you remember, like the like NES. Like the Mario cereal or like the Teenage uh, I, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, cereals, the best tie-in cereal. I, I thought like yeah. who, which character in a video game would serve you the best cereal? Which I was like, wow, that's such an intense question. Um, no, who had the best tie-in? Like, okay, yeah, that's a very well, that was my initial. I've got, a, I've got an answer for you, but you're not gonna like it. Uh oh. I I am a man of a certain age, and I need my breakfast cereals to be made out of literal cardboard. I need them to be uh, just full on fiber, you know, and <laughs> I think papers, please <laughs> would have that kind of tie in breakfast cereal. <laughs> little Inferno ashy flakes. Or whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Little Inferno. You th- that's the problem is m- almost every tie in cereal that I can even invent is full of little marshmallows or something. Yeah, Little Inferno is definitely s'mores flavored. Come on. Oh, Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's got that campfire glow. Oh, my God, Um, yes. The s'mores and smoke is what it would be. Exactly. Uh, I feel like there would be some really odd, like, if we go into the world of pixels, like, what is a Thomas is alone (laughs) breakfast (laughs) tie-in? Like, square pellets. Um 
it's probably just normal stuff, but square shaped, right? Like any of the pixel games is just having like weird pixel cereal. Yeah, yeah. Just like I think Thomas's alone is a good one because I'm just imagining like extruded rectangles of breakfast goo. Exactly right. Like it's like Tetrisy. Uh, have you guys? Do you guys know no mischief? Uh, the the art collective or whatever the heck they are. Is that, did they did this thing this year? The, the big Fruit Loop. Did you see that? No, <laughs> I didn't so, see that. Okay, so it's basically Amazing. imagine like imagine like a, a a box of Fruit Loops, except instead of having lots of Fruit Loops inside, it's one big Fruit Loop. <laughs> well, there you go, Shane. This is the Tiny Kid cereal. <laughs> You should look up the big Fruit Loop. There's lots of vi- uh, videos online of people tr- eating the big Fruit Loop. <laughs> uh, looks all right. It's like it's like bigger than a donut. It's like that big. <laughs> Won't fit in a bowl. Yeah, they've got a, they've got a toucan like choking to death on the box. <laughs> the dark place. Uh, a dark place is just an empty box. Um, I feel like we've got some bummer like bad prize cereal vibes in some of these uh games we've played to be honest oh yeah they'd have real real bad bad uh prize insides mm-hmm. maybe it's just because we literally just had it on the show but i'm thinking about like uh like a pocket card jockey cereal with like little marshmallow cards little and horsies and horsies and stuff oh uh, it would cute. be a little horse um horse-shaped cereal and then all the marshmallows would be the suits of the cards yeah like little hearts spades clovers diamonds oh i love that yeah except no because now you've got black like if you've got clubs and and spades you've got oh they'd be purple well yeah. because it's cereal the color of the milk with brown and black <laughs> mm. all the horses will turn your milk black Oh, no. I can't. Gross. Well, I think that's all the mileage we're going to get out of that mediocre question. Thank you for playing along with me. Do we have time for what's making us happy this week? <laughs> the big fruit yes. loop. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, what's making you happy this week? Oh, uh, there's a couple things. So um, I watched the movie Babylon in 70 millimeters. That is not what's making me happy. What is making me happy is that I then posted it to a new uh, Discord. I just, uh, not Discord, Slack that I joined for patrons of a different podcast um, that talks about film and described it as the gold banana of Discord of movies. Where, like, in the same mm-hmm. movie, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. I am so angry. I am so happy. Like, went through the whole roller coaster and I explained the interactive fiction concept of the golden banana of Discord to the film podcast and for those who don't follow interactive fiction awards it is the game that has the most polarizing scoring so people love it people hate it very few in between it's the biggest discrepancy between people's scores greatest standard deviation standard deviation and this has taken off in that forum so now people are describing things as like it was a banana discord movie (laughs) like in like two weeks it has taken off and i will say parts of the movie babylon made me exquisitely happy and parts of it like i literally like laughed out loud at how bad things were like four minutes after i was like this is one of the best scenes i've seen all year so i don't 
Like maybe don't see the movie Babylon unless you want to have that roller coaster of a ride. But what's making me happy is publicizing the term golden banana of discord. Like sing it far, sing it wide. It is useful. You know, and Babylon never, is the epitome. I've never <laughs> Googled the golden banana. I did not realize there was a physical banana. Did you know this? There is a physical banana and it makes me happy that there is a physical yes, banana. The original physical banana was a cloth banana made with by Andrew Plotkin with his own hands. Uh and the second one is made of actual gold. Wow. Uh, real, no no joke gold. Uh, and is the subject of uh, multiple heist games. I made all of that up. No, it's just a fake gold statue of a banana. It's still pretty cool. I mean, I, I love... Cool. Uh, there's In a year of gonzo filmmaking, Babylon sure was a movie. <laughs> um, I, again, this is one um, I, I said in the review, like, you could give this one star or five stars you could put as your favorite movie of the year or your most hated movie of the year and i'd like be like yeah that seems like that's a valid opinion like i literally anyone could say anything to me about their opinion on the movie and i'd be like yeah seems about right so it's an experience if you want that experience um and you're okay with literally every bodily fluid and like can't believe it's not in c17 you can see the movie babylon (laughs) good music though yeah what i shouldn't have started with me Uh, that's okay i like it i like it no so i i i'm feeling a little bit baffled though because i'm um i'm i'm gonna show my ass having having listened to your entire uh your entire description there uh expecting you to eventually explain what the the movie movie is Um, because i i'm so out of the loop uh with films because i don't get to watch movies as a parent anymore so damien chazelle who did la la land whiplash first man um, okay. This is what like got all the money in the world to do a movie set in the 20s Hollywood, and it is loosely adapted from the book Hollywood Babylon, which is a book that I've read part of and listened to a um, you must remember this podcast series, which is incredible, um, disproving how full of you know, absolute garbage it is. It's all the weird stuff that went on in Hollywood in the silent film era, like. All of the orgies, all of the parties, all of the excess, all of the wealth, all of the drugs, violence, sex, blah, blah, all of it. And he threw all of it on screen. The opening is probably the most wild, alive party I've ever seen. And I was like, multiple times I thought, this is what I want people to do with the great Gatsby. (laughs) Like, why is it here? And it talks about early Hollywood. All of that's great. And then it ends... Like it just falls off a cliff in the last thirty minutes, which we can talk about in a, another not time. But, but Hollywood Babylon is or Babylon is the Margot Robbie, like in the red dress while everyone's like horns are playing. Does this make ring you a bell? You're looking at me with no, a blank face. Like I don't. I I'm so tuned out from it's current film. Hollywood right party excess in the twenties, mm-hmm. but again. The every bodily fluid, every bodily action in the movie possible. Oh okay, and and Margot Robbie speaking in the thickest New Jersey accent um, she's had since. Well, I do, Quinn. I do love Margot Robbie, so maybe maybe it would push it over the edge for me. I don't know. You haven't exactly sold me on it, though. I, <laughs> uh, um, it's not a spoiler. It's the first in the first minute and a half, an elephant 
defecates on one of the main characters. <laughs> and you're okay. either like, I'm in, or you're like, okay, or you're like, nope. Just know that happens. And you can decide right. whether you're going to continue watching the movie. I'll I'll give it some thought. <laughs> if I can branch off of that with more um, uh, movie recommendations that I think are going to fit right in, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to see that, and I'll up you Cronenberg. Uh, oh uh, please, yes. Oh no, this uh, tomorrow. I, I I don't know. I if I have that many uh, opportunities to air my love for. Um, really, the whole Cronenberg family on this podcast. Of course, David Cronenberg as as the one of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, you know, way way back in like high school, I found someone's discarded copy of a book called Cronenberg on Cronenberg, <laughs> and uh, and I and uh, left a big imprint. I still have the book; it's great. So I have seen every movie that David Cronenberg has made. He's just made his best movie. Uh, of his whole career, uh, which um, which is the uh, Crimes of the Future, which came out last year. And so if you haven't seen Crimes of the Future, it's amazing. Uh, one of the things that is happening this week, though, is David Cronenberg has a son uh, who is also named Cronenberg. His first name, <laughs> I can't remember. I should have looked this up. Hang on. Cronenberg the second. It's Cronenberg hmm. Jr. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Cronenberg. Sorry, mm. Brandon. Um, but Brandon is a really good filmmaker himself. I haven't seen, he's made three movies. His third is coming out this weekend, uh, tomorrow as we record this. Um, and his second movie possessor was really disturbing to me. It was in, in a good way. I mean, it's a horror film, uh, with, uh, kind of an out there sci-fi premise of essentially like a, a, a body stealing assassin um, and great movie really enjoyed that. Uh, but h- the new one of his is called infinity pool and infinity pool is, I haven't gotten very many spoilers about it. I'm trying to avoid it. I'm not really even indulging in um, the trailers or anything, um, but it does star Mia Goth and Alexander Skarsgård. So I know those two things. Those are both names that I love. I don't know if either of y'all have seen um, Pearl. X or, or Pearl. Did you see that? I've seen Pearl. How, it was great, right? Pearl I mean, was great. That monologue that she had in that she had, she, she really steals the, I mean, it's all about her, but she really steals yeah. the show for sure. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing this Cronenberg flick with, with them and, and, uh, Mia no, Goth just... is a good pairing with Cronenberg after seeing yeah. Pearl. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I, I saw one like micro clip come up when, as it scrolled past it on social media or whatever, and it was just her screaming. I was like, all right, I'm sold. So, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. And hopefully, going to get to see that either as it premieres tomorrow or, or maybe on Saturday. And I'll let you guys, guys know how it went. Awesome. Excellent. Well, uh, I have uh, I have a very small thing to recommend to folks, but it's just something that I, I set up recently and was really enjoying, and uh, I hadn't heard of it until recently. So I thought maybe uh, maybe folks might be might be into it, and that was um, had I, I I don't know I've already told you two about it, but um, uh, I recently became aware of a little web service uh, called OMG.lol, OMG.lol. 
Um, and I was going to recommend it to folks because it's really just kind of like a cute, useful, nerdy online service that I have found super useful for a couple of things for the show. Um, so to explain it a little bit, omg.lol is first and foremost, it's like a domain name service. So you can go there and pay them 20 bucks and you get whatever you want at, or sorry, like whatever you want dot omg.lol as a domain name that you can point anywhere. Um, and that's a pretty fun and good domain name. Um, they actually have uh, omg.lol is actually a like a, a TLD. So just like 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 co.uk is like a two part um like TLD for the UK. Um they're on the like domain name list or whatever as like a as like a domain provider. So um it, you know your your you know reagan.omg.lol or shortgame.omg.lol those are both actual domain names that you can do anything you do with a normal domain name. But along with that you get a bunch of cool nerdy stuff you can do. First off, you, you uh, it has a really cute little uh, ba- very basic website builder that is kind of like what well, it's, it's you can do a lot with it, but it's uh it's kind of like um Linktree if you ever just need to set up like a basic web page that's like a profile page for you or a project that you want to be able to customize but you also don't want to spend a lot of time fussing with. Um so we'd previously had a Linktree for the show, but I found this like like shortgame.omg.lol set it up in like 20 minutes and had something that was that I like way better than what I had with Linktree. Um, and, you know, has, you know, nice graphical buttons for subscribing on all the podcast services. If you're telling a friend about the show and you want to tell them, you know, hey, here's here's this podcast I like, you can tell them shortgame.omg.lol. Uh, and uh, that'll give them a page that gives that's really clear on how to subscribe in their podcast app of choice, as well as giving links to everything else. And it's a really nice little way to do that. But you also get a lot of other stuff like um, you it sets up a They've got a, a basic blogging engine that is tacked onto that that you can you know post a blog on your page if you want. They've got this you know cute little status page thing where you can get these cute little status things you can embed on websites. You can get a paste bin. Um, you can set up little like uh, it's kind of like acts like a URL shortener kind of thing where you can set up what they call p- pearls or permanent URLs. So you can have like a URL that be like um, I don't know like. Uh, uh, reagan.omg.lol slash blog or slash podcast or something. And you can point it to whatever you want or update it to point to a different place. So you can have these really useful little URLs that you can, you know, point to anything you want on the internet. Um, you can do actual DNS stuff with it. It has an, a forwarding email address. So like if you want to set up an email address, that's like mine is reagan at omg.lol um, then i can point that to my personal email address and use it as an alternate address in context where i might, might not want to share my personal email um uh and uh also they set up a mastodon instance so they've got social.lol a mastodon if you're you know wondering about well where should i go for this new mastodon thing um then you get a mastodon account with your username at social.lol as well, along with the omg.lol thing, uh, with the confidence uh, in knowing that you're signing on to a Mastodon service where you're actually paying for the service. So at least there's a little bit of, uh, you know, assurance for your 20 bucks a year, you're paying into something where you can have a reasonable amount of assurance that it's not going to evaporate tomorrow, um, which would be annoying. So I I really like it. And it's a, it feels like a good deal for 20 bucks for me. So if you're the sort of person who has, uh, you know, an online presence, 
Uh, but maybe you're not the sort of person who wants to build a full on, you know, um, uh, gallery page or, um, you know, personal blog website or what have you. You just want something nice and cute and basic that has good design out of the box and is fun and easy to set up and costs 20 bucks a year. It has a ton of cute, weird little features that you may or may not use. Um, I would say check it out omg.lol and uh they're great and so uh, i also just brought it up because shortgame.omg.lol is now the url i'm giving people for if they're just curious about the show you can always go to the shortgame.net of course which is where we have all of our stuff but for most people who are checking out the show who just want a quick thing you know a quick way to to check us out that url is really easy to link to in something like a you know like a uh profile on a uh, on a social media post or whatever um and it takes you right to something that'll let you listen to a recent episode or subscribe in whatever podcast app very nice so um that's the thing so thank you guys for joining us on this episode of the short game uh this has been i'm really glad we got together for this one i really enjoyed playing through after place and i'm glad i dragged a couple of uh of co-hosts in on it too uh we've got some other great episodes coming up soon uh so uh looking forward to that uh you can find us on the internet at i guess uh shortgame.omg.lol also the shortgame.net you can find us on twitter at underscore short game or on mastodon at short game at zork.social of course all the links are on the i may i may stop reading all this stuff i may just start telling people go to shortgame.omg.law or whatever um anyway you can find us in all of those places most importantly you can find us on patreon patreon.com slash the short game all of our patrons get immediate access to our discord which is where we talk about the show we uh we plan future episodes it's a great way to suggest a game if you want to do that uh thanks again to the listener who suggested this game on twitter why aren't you on our discord um we don't care thank you for joining us or for for suggesting the game wherever you do that um and um let's see uh, you can find me on Mastodon at, uh, I'm at Reagan at bird.rodeo. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? Uh, kind of maybe on Twitter. I'm not sure, but I'm at Laura J. Nash there. And I did set up a Mastodon account at Laura J. Nash at bird.rodeo. And Shane, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at 8BitShane, and I'm also on Mastodon, um, and I am still trying to figure it out, and I can't remember what the full URL is for me. Ah, the links are on the omg.lol page. Yeah, go there. (laughs) Go there. I actually Uh, have been posting. I I just forgot how to use it right. (laughs) See, this is is why I set that omg.lol thing up. This section of the show is getting more and more complicated every day. Uh, um, I can point any, you can also point a regular do- domain name at that service too. So if you like their little page, so like I have Reagan.me pointed at my little profile page. So, uh, listeners, if you have a suggestion for, for the URL that I ought to go buy, don't buy it yourself. Just tell me and I'll buy it. Um, uh, I'm in a <laughs> URL buying mode right that now. That is dangerous. Um, yeah, it was actually, wasn't it? Um, so, uh, thanks uh, listeners once again for joining us on this episode of the short game. <laughs>